0: To the spiritual travels of Firewolf, this is Christy. It is Monday. Welcome to a new start of our week. It is a new moon week as we enter a time when both Venus went direct this weekend, and the new moon will be tomorrow, the first of February, as well as Mercury will be going direct on the third of February. So there's going to be a lot of activity in the sky. It's going to be an exciting week astrologically. Today's episode, I'm really, really grateful to have Amy Muggridge on. She is a wonderful producer. She produces comedy shows around the country with Turn to Entertainment. It is a 100% veteran owned business and This is a military family, so it's between her and her husband, but she is the heart and soul of this business, and I met Amy when I first moved to Austin, Texas, and through being here, I was able to go to many of her shows, and she put me on many of her shows, and I'm so grateful for that. She's just wonderful, and it's really hard to find a really amazing comedy show producer that knows what the fuck they're doing. So I really hope you enjoy this episode today and, you know, bear with me as I learn how to interview and work the audio equipment. I'm always worried about losing these files. So towards the end of the episodes this week, you're going to hear me kind of panicking towards the end for both of these interviews. Um just because I'm worried about the audio. So it's a learning curve for me, but I just have really amazing guests coming on. So enjoy.
1: Hello. How are you? Amy!
2: (laughs) Good to hear your voice yours too how have you been I've been I've been good I'm I'm here in Austin and I see that you you moved to Chicago is it Chicago or outside of Chicago
1: right outside of Chicago about 20 minutes
2: oh that's awesome so you're back home with your 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 side of the family correct
1: we are yes
2: oh <laughs> how does it feel to be home
1: Feels so just like it did when I was a kid. My siblings still fighting. My dad still tells me what to do. It's great. <laughs> <laughs>
2: oh, you gotta love it though.
1: <laughs> I do. At least they care enough to put in their input in, right?
2: Well, <laughs> oh, and what? May, so you guys were in? Was it Denver that you just moved from? We were right outside of
1: Denver in Morrison, Colorado, by the Red uh, Rock Amphitheater. We were like three blocks away from it.
2: Whoa, that's a beautiful area.
1: It is. It's a very expensive area, and it's getting even more expensive with the Riders to South Park purchasing property over there.
2: Oh, I didn't know
1: that. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's just one of the reasons why we kept on getting outbid. We were going to buy there, and then we talked about it, and Shannon's always on the road, and I need help with the kids. So Chicago, here we are. (laughs) Chicago, and there's snow there, too. (laughs) Yes. Right now, Denver is getting dropped. Shannon said that they've got about seven, eight inches just in the last couple hours. So,
2: oh, Wow. He, and he's on the road right now?
1: Uh, he's in Denver, or Morrison, Colorado with the kids right now um, while I'm getting our house set up before they bring our furniture down.
2: Well, that's, oh, thank you for for doing this
1: podcast, then. I, right in the middle of moving. Oh, of course. Like I said, I, there's no trouble whatsoever. Anything to help well, oh, I've
2: been thinking about you because I'm down here now in Austin, and I think it was about a year ago that I physically saw you in person, I think. It
1: was. You did our first uh, show at the karaoke bar in January. Yeah, that and that was amazing. <laughs> it was fun. It was fun watching you tell those girls off, too. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> The fun times in Austin, Texas.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. well, what's going on up there? Is everybody still trying to be the next Tony Hinchcliffe?
2: <laughs> See, the thing is, the thing I love about you is you just say it. You say, like, I I think you, you are a bad bitch in comedy. <laughs> and, like, you really, like, this... I, I, I think here it's been I had to move here, Amy, because to be quite honest, I don't have the the jab right now, mm-hmm. and California, you need it to like get into pretty much any place that does stand up comedy, oh wow, and so I moved to Texas when I saw things were changing, and then it was getting dangerous as well, mm-hmm. so. But it is, it is tough because when I go into shows and into mics and stuff, it's a it's extremely different than it was when I moved here the first time.
1: Yeah, it's um, definitely changed.
2: Yeah, yeah, it, it changed kind of like at the snap of a finger. But it's it's, but the cool part is it I can I can do multiple shows or mics a night, which is wonderful. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is a lot of having to be really, I don't know, like, I, I know you know, I know that you know <laughs> what I'm talking about. Also,
1: um, used to have a scene where everybody looked out for each other and there was gatekeepers to keep the bad people out. Now it's a free for all. It's the wild, wild west.
2: Yeah, and you just really have to be very on top of your energy. And just be very careful.
1: So, exactly. be true to what your comedy is. Don't try to conform yourself to what you think the scene needs.
2: Yeah, exactly. It's it's been. I actually had I took about a whole month off so that I could remember, you know, what I'm here to do and why I'm doing it. Exactly. Um, and I I want to thank you because. Um, you know, for the people that listen to this podcast, I think you you're you're a comedy family. Like if you and your husband, really. I learned so much by just watching you at shows, and. Aw, you're so sweet. Thank you. <laughs> well, thank you because you. So you have turned to an entertainment, which is that your business, like. 100- so
1: it's me and Shannon um, share it. um... But Shannon will be the first one to tell you he just tells jokes and I run the business. The reason it's a isn't my business is because with him being a disabled vet, we don't have to pay um, the fees and everything to have the business um, be up and running. And plus, we get a tax break. So. And
2: did you? When did you start the business? When did you start Turn Two? Uh,
1: about almost three years ago. Yeah,
2: And you, you've you been kind of running shows and the thing is when, when there were no shows that I could I was driving everywhere, Amy to just get stage time and you guys just brought like you embraced me so much and it just means so much because I was driving hours upon hours just to find some stages and when I got here to Austin it was like I felt like a normal person again. I was like, oh my God, like, it's a, it's like a, a room that you, you just have, you know your shit, you know what you're doing. Like it's, and it's, it, it, last year when we were at, um, Baker Street, it was like, I learned so much just working with you when I was, uh, when we kind of were pinch hit
1: <laughs> runners for the show. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> yes. No. Um. That's one thing I can say is Marty Clark can definitely find a room. He can. He can definitely find amazing rooms. He can definitely get get money out of those rooms. But there, towards the end, it seemed like he was having issues trying to keep everything going between the club and all his shows. So. I think. I think the burnout that he had made Austin lose lose a really good key person that would have been great in the scene if he didn't burn out. So that, that kind of sucks.
2: Yeah, I, think, I feel he'll be back at some point, but I definitely think he's going to take a little break.
1: I don't think so. I know Marty and I know I'm a, I'm a Midwestern, um, we grew up in, in the same area. I, I think Marty is done. I think the scene just took every ounce of anything he could give away. I don't think he'll ever come back to comedy. He got to see the ugly side of it, and he didn't like it. Yeah. Is that is so for
2: – I'm almost like, Austin, how did – can I ask, how how did it change, like, before, I guess, the California move and
1: after – this is California. Um so the before before COVID hit, there was, you know, you had Cap City who was, you know, they were your main showrunner. They were they were everything. You have the Cells, um, ran by Pat. Um and that was an amazing spot. People had to pay their dues to, you know, be able to get stage time. People had to go to the open mics, people had to wait, you know. Um if you went on stage and you would drop a joke that was about pedophilia or rape um, and it wasn't funny, it was just downright bad, um, they would be like, hey, that's not cool. And the people that were veterans in the scene would try to coach you on like, hey, you know, I get that you're trying to find your voice, but let me, let me help you figure out how you can make that joke funny and not offensive. Because our job's not to be up here to be offensive. Our job's up here to make people laugh. Um, and then you had gatekeepers, like, you know, it's the entertainment business. There's always people that are going to accuse people of, you know, things, and there's a lot of proof to some of it. And those gatekeepers, like if somebody accused somebody of sexual harassment, rape, anything like that, those gatekeepers would shut that person out. And, but they would make sure that they would do their research and make sure that there was some facts to that. Like a couple of years ago, there was a, an allegation. Um, The gatekeepers went to the bars, they got the videotape, and they're like, yeah, you're done. I don't care who started the the, the thing, but you're done because you were out of line. We don't have that anymore. Everybody is, (laughs) everybody's like just doing what they need to do to survive and still do what they love. Um, There's a lot of new people in the scene too, though, and that's the thing. So it's a great scene. Austin is amazing. But it has changed so much. There's so many new faces, so many new people, and they're just trying to figure out what they want, if that makes any sense. (laughs) Yeah, and
2: what made you guys kind of, like, what was the the reason why you decided to get out of the state of Texas? Uh,
1: Well, the big key is when they called us and offered us a lot of money for our house. Um we still love Texas. Texas will still be home. But I think the final straw was so I started turn to entertainment because my husband wasn't getting books when he started comedy. Um and I would see these people, the same people go up night after night after night and <laughs> they weren't funny. At least they weren't funny to me. They were you know, a lot of the places that, and a lot of people that I know, were are family people. We, we have kids. We're older. Um, there wasn't a lot of comedians that would touch on stuff that we could relate with. Like, I can't relate with online dating. I can't relate with Uber. Um, and that's what a lot of the jokes were about. And so we just decided one day, you know what, let's get you stage time. We went to a bar in Mainer, um, a local bar in our neighborhood. Um, Pitched them on letting us do a show. They said yes. I brought the older comics out that I've seen do Cab City, like open mics and whatnot that were funny, like Simply Courtney, um, Lando Shepard, Pat Sorois, uh, just just to name a few, uh, Holly Como. um, Yeah, you know, just really funny people that people could, uh, Ashley Overton you know, that could, that could do a crowd of older people and younger people and still hit. And we did our first show there. We had five, six comics on it, which I learned <laughs> that's way too many comics. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, it killed. And after that, we just started going out and getting rooms. At one time, I had 15, 13, 15 rooms. And then COVID hit and sucked it all away.
2: <laughs> you were still running roads. That's a... The thing that I found so fascinating is like you haven't stopped. Like I was like, does she ever I was like, She's a mom, does she ever sleep? Like <laughs> you're, you're you're always you're always on the go. And I think I really admire that because this is a tough business and I got a really big wake up call last year mm-hmm. and you were a huge factor as to why I kept going. You were a huge I mean, I was in a parking lot, I don't even know what town, I think it was somewhere in Oklahoma, Mm -hmm. and I couldn't get out of that parking lot, and I spoke to you on the phone, and because of you, I was able to get back on on the highway and just do the rest of the three hours I think I had left, or four hours, but... It was like what you said, and I've kept your, those messages, and I'll go back and I'll read them because, th- you know, this is a lonely industry, and I feel like you and Shannon are such a cool example of people, you know, a couple that makes it work with a family. And I don't know, is it is it tough with, with the kids? Like, how do you manage... When Shannon's on the road and still also running shows
1: so it's it can be tough but I try to make it fun Um, for me it's about showing my kids that look if people tell you you can't be who you want to be and follow your dreams then you push your way in and you do what you need to do to make you succeed without stepping on other people you don't need to put people down you don't need to be mean if somebody tells you, hey, you can't do that, you say, okay, well, watch me. It might take me a minute longer than I do, but I'll do it. Um, and so that's what I just strive for. Every day, everything that I do, it's for my family. I am very family-oriented. Um, you know, Shannon's a, a disabled veteran. Um, we, you know, all of our three beautiful babies are adopted. And, and like I said, we just, to me, life is about family and the comedy circuit to me, and I know a lot of people think I'm stupid for this, but people that I bring into my life through comedy, they become my family. Like, even though we're, you know, I'm in Chicago right now, I still have Courtney who calls and checks on me. I still have Lando who calls and checks on me, Maggie Mayfield, you know. Um, I posted that I was having a rough week once, and all, all of the people that I brought into my family made sure to call me and say, what do you need? And I'm just like, I'm fine. And they're like, no, you're not. Your, your Facebook did not sound right. And so there is real people in comedy, people that you can call your real friends. It's, uh, it's just finding, surrounding your, yourself with the right people, the people who you want to be a part of your family. And if I didn't have those people, I don't think this would work like it does. Don't get me wrong. There is times that I've wanted to quit. It has been way too much. And like um, like last month, or not last month, like two weeks ago, um, I had a show out in Temple at Corky's. And something happened before that show, and I was just like, you know what, why am I doing this? This is just frustrating. I can't be there. I can't make sure that things are going right. Um, because my whole thing is, is I'm, I'm very OCD, and my shows have to be the way they, you know, how I would run them even if I'm not there. And uh, Eric Snater, he's a comedian that I booked out there for the first time. He just started doing comedy again since COVID. I booked him out there, and he sent me this long message about how amazing it was and how I've been the driving – you know, it's just it was just the sweetest thing that made me realize that I need to keep my shows in Texas. I need to keep my shows in Colorado. I need to start my shows in Chicago because – I care about comics, and I want to see every single one of them follow their dream and succeed. I'm not here trying to make money off them. I'm not here trying to, you know, get a step up over them, because I'm not a comedian. I could care two shits who gets famous and who doesn't. My thing is, is just putting on a good show and making sure that comedians that are older, comedians that have been blackballed because of their gender, their sex, their who they love, you know? Um so yeah that's that's the I think that's the driving force why I keep doing this. It shows at your events because
2: anytime I worked one of your events, I learned I just learned so much about what you did. It's been hard to find a producer like you and like Mary and Mary Helen because I, between the two of you, I've learned so much about connecting with an audience on the other side of it—not just being a comic, but you know, on the ground. And I really appreciate what you do because I've never—I've never seen a show ran the way you have ran a show. And I've been around the country, and I still have yet to find a show
1: ran. So seamlessly. Great. Um, thank you. A lot of that has to do with just taking what you learn from other comedians and putting it on your show. Like Mary and Helen has helped me make shows better. Um, Pat has helped. Even Cap City, the way they run stuff, you just you learn from comedians and you take what works and you throw away the what doesn't. <laughs> That's the one thing that a lot of producers I've noticed in comedy that do the small rooms, they're comedians as well, and they're more worried about certain aspects of the room, but they forget about the other aspects. And it's because they're they're telling jokes. They're trying to do it all. Thankfully, I don't have to do it all because I know I'm not a funny person. I am more behind the scenes. I don't like being on stage. I don't want to be on stage. I don't want people looking at me. I don't like it.
2: Well, I think you're very funny. I think you're, you have, a, I mean, you're a mother of of three. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's so much that happens on a daily basis that a, a comedian talking about TikTok will not understand.
1: <laughs> and I leave those books for Shannon to tell. <laughs> <laughs> and back yeah. to the house, we, um. All of our kids are interested in acting and they're the cutest little actors and um, <laughs> a lot of stuff has been happening since we moved here and so me and Shannon and the kids talked about it and at first I was against it because of them being adopted. I don't want their birth family to find them because they're psychotic. Um, but we finally agreed that we're going let to them, let them start a TikTok or a YouTube channel and just, you know, be themselves. <laughs> So, yeah, entertainment in this family is a big deal. All of our kids are very musical, active. Um, Our oldest wants to be an actress. Our middle one, she loves being in the limelight, and she's got everybody wrapped around her little finger. They think she's the sweetest child ever, but she is the most devious child ever. (laughs) And little man, little man just goes with the flow. He wants to do comedy. And I'm like, dude, you're so good at math. Don't be a comedian. Be, you know, a... an accountant, and he just looked at me like, No, mom, <laughs> I like making people laugh. <laughs> uh, he's been that way since he was like. <laughs> so, he started, Shannon started comedy when he was in kindergarten. And so, Ducky thought it would be funny one day when he got dared by a kid um, to pull his pants down on the playground in kindergarten. Yeah, that was a very fun conversation with his teacher. <laughs> and when we asked him why he did it, it's, I want to be funny like you, Daddy. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, I'm like, shit, I'm, I'm, I'm so screwed with these kids, like, they're all going to take after their dad, none of them are going to take after me, so, and they all have his personality, which is, like, oh, it drives me insane, but it's the kids doing it at the same time, too, because they they all gang up on me, because <laughs> um, I'm not going to lie, I have what they call ameasms. I say some stupid stuff without even thinking because I get frustrated and so like now they all call me out on it and make fun of me. So I'm just like whatever. I don't like any of you right now.
2: <laughs> well you also have like I was thinking about this. I don't know if I don't know if this makes sense when I say it, but I saw it. So I know I saw it and I saw it more than once. It's so interesting when I was watching like these LA bros like come into town and you would be at the same show and you would just be sitting in an audience and they would immediately without knowing who you were, just start like going into you almost like you triggered this thing in them. And I was like,
1: and I would sit back and I would watch them. I would be like, they don't even fucking know. <laughs> the thing is, most of them was really, they were really sweet to me. They would try to go in on me and I would just give it back to them and, I think the funniest one was when that one dude was telling me how hot I was, and I'm like, dude, I'm, like, almost 40 years old and, like, be your mama. Like, seriously. <laughs> but thank you for the compliment. <laughs> so to me, it's, it's like, whatever. And they probably threw in on me because I'm one of those people that I left inside. I don't have a big rupture. Like I told you, like I just said, I, I don't like being noticed. I like being behind the curtain. In high school, I was always about being out there. So now as an adult, I'm not that person. Um, So I like to be, like, I just don't like to be noticed. And it it never fails. They always notice me. So, yeah. (laughs) It's like, whatever. (laughs) You could be sitting in the, like, I've seen it happen. You could be in the
2: corner on the whole side where the audience is not sitting and the comic will, like, immediately, like, magnetize to you. And like. It was like, Amy is like the goddess stage mom. I'm telling you, she's like, everybody like knows your energy. Even if like, there was this one time, Amy, I was on mushrooms and mushrooms were like, you are the life of the party. You are not the life of the party. And I was like, what the fuck does that mean? And I realized it's like the the mother vibe is like, life of the whole room and that's what I feel like your energy is it's like this life force
1: well that is the sweetest thing that anybody's ever said to me thank you (laughs) it's fucking true like I wish I wish there was a way that I could have like
2: captured that moment in time on video just to even that karaoke bar like it was like it was almost like a military thing like between the Baker Street thing and the karaoke bar, we all kind of came together as this, like, unit and, like, worked together, and you were just like, okay, and then I'm going to go, and then everybody, like, donated, and I I really attribute that to you. It's because of you that comics got to put gas in their car, you know? Well, I can,
1: I've been told I've got that Chicago girl with the Texas twist vibe where I can come across sweet. They can also come across scary without even knowing it. Um, so I contribute tips with me being kind of scary when it comes to
2: <laughs>
1: In fact, uh, one of the first rooms we had in the beginning was Ramos and Maynard. It's a sports bar um, where we decided for some reason that it would be a great spot to do comedy where a lot of um, biker groups hung out. <laughs> and um, the second show we had there, there, there was like 12 big burly bikers from the loss or something. I was told not to mess with them, but they had me hosting. So, because we didn't have a host and I had enough of them talking during the show. So I walked over there and I told the biggest dude, you don't shut the fuck up. You're giving me $50 for the comics and tips. And every time I have to come over here, you have to give me another $50. <laughs> um <laughs> They apologized. The comics all thought I was freaking crazy and stupid. Um, they started talking really loud again. I went over there, went to the, the president of the group, and made him give me money, and he did. And then they got up and left, and all the comics were like, dude, we thought they were going to come over here and kill us because of you. I'm like, no one fuck with you. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> just I I... I tell people all the time, I think it's because I just, I grew up in a family where I was told to speak my mind and not to let people walk over me, but at the same time, you always help out people and you never fuck people over. If you don't have something nice to say about them, you don't say anything at all. If you can't protect those that can't protect themselves, then you're not doing anything in the world. And so that's kind of how I treat the comedy thing. That's how I treat people. Like, if you're gonna come to a comedy show and just be disrespectful, then get the fuck out. These people work really hard at their craft, and they don't deserve that. Yeah, it really. I
2: mean, it, we've and Texas doesn't have the easiest rooms because they are loud rooms. I love that about Texas. I real that's I I love a a loud bar like that would I I love a loud like what <laughs> we had with those with that whole side table that wouldn't shut up. Like, I
1: love that kind of shit. <laughs> you totally shut that girl down. <laughs> I still love that. Like, I had to go over there, and she was just like, I read Energies, and her energy was so great, and then she was so mean, and I don't know where this energy came from. And I'm just like, what are you on? <laughs> and I did some of that. Like, she literally just destroyed you, and you don't understand. And she's like, I don't know if I want to fight her. I was like, you don't want to fight anybody. You want to have another vodka and talk to the next person. Okay. She ended up tipping, I think, like $25 that night, too. So. Oh, my God. That was
2: the best night. The fact that the manager, I don't know if
1: she,
2: the manager of the bar Afterwards, she came up to all the comics, and she handed us twenty dollars cash on top of the tips because she was like, "This is from the bar,
1: yes, the bar loves y'all <laughs> it was i
2: it was one of the highlights like Amy I have been when I say to shit shows, I mean like and I, I know you know this because you've probably been there with Shannon, like mm-hmm. I have been to shit." where you just, like, leave so fucking defeated and your tail is, like, between your legs and you're just like, why
1: do I do this?
2: That night, it was like, no, yes!
1: You know, I think that was the first night that I came on board with Mary Helen to do the all-female showcase, the G-Spot comedy showcase, and I honestly... That is one thing I can say about COVID that it's done. It has brought so many amazing female comics to Austin. Before it was just a sausage fest <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, California, New York, there's a lot of amazing, talented women that have moved to Austin and I love it because there is this stigmatism of women aren't funny. In fact, I've had grooms tell me, we don't think women are funny. Why are you putting so women on the show? And I'm like, dude, you have no fucking clue. You have no clue. Just wait. And then after the women come in and they do the show, they want to do another one right away with the women. And they, it's because of the stigmatism. And, and and forever, Austin didn't have a lot of female comics. There was a handful of really funny women comics, and not that many, you know, not many until after COVID. So I will give that. Austin has now has funny women. And that's I mean, they had funny women before, but not a lot. Now there's a lot. And I love doing the g Comedy Showcases, and I can't wait to bring it back to more venues. So it'll be fun. <laughs> and what about Chicago for you? Are you, Do
2: you already have venues that you're working with there, or are you kind of taking a, some time back to to get settled in?
1: So I'm... <laughs> being from the area, I'm not looking to do rooms in Chicago. I am I am the person that goes to the suburbs and find rooms there because, first of all, those are the people who are family, have families, cannot go into the city for entertainment because, one, babysitters are fucking expensive. I'm that mom. Babysitters are ridiculous. But so I'm talking to friends. A lot of my friends and family around here own bars. They are all interested in doing comedy showcases. So once I get the house situated, come March, I'm planning on doing a bunch of shows out here. I've already I'm in talks with four or five rooms out here. Um, two in Zion, one in Beach Park, one over by the Great Lakes Naval Station Air Base, um, and then one in Kenosha, Wisconsin. <laughs> in
2: Wisconsin, wow. And yeah. That's that's. I'm so glad that you're doing. I, I'm just glad that you're in this industry. Thank you for existing, Amy. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> you know the thing is, is I probably wouldn't have stepped in if I didn't notice so many amazing comics not getting the stage time that they deserved. And I get that people need to pay their dues, but you can't you can't just keep putting everybody to the back because you don't think their comedy's funny, or you think they're too old, or you think that their sex, gender, color of their skin, isn't going to fit the narrative. And as we see, that's one thing I can say. As you can see now, there's more black comedians in Austin getting booked, more females in Austin getting booked. It's great. I love it. Yeah, it's been, well, I will say
2: it's been an adjustment with, um, because the scene changed and people kind of changed over, I'm having to start kind of extremely from scratch again. And it is a fight for me because, I'm getting there's a lot of like roast mics now. And so
1: um, <laughs> it's great.
2: Yeah, and it's tough because, you know, I don't mind a roast at all. I mean I did roast battle, but what was hard is when you're trying to work out material and people are screaming at you like, You're fucking
1: weird, your vagina, your fat." like all this stuff. <laughs> That's not funny. That's just mean to be mean. That's what I'm talking about. That's what I don't like in the change in the scene is people used to work on their jokes. They used to work on their craft. Like, people in a roast battle, that would not be considered a roast battle. I've seen roast battles. Um, Ashley Overton and Holly Como used to do a roast battle at um, Kickbutt Coffee. And those were funny because you had to literally, like, you got a comic that you would roast and you would sit there and literally write jokes about each other. It wouldn't be just off-the-cuff craziness. Like, yeah, and that's what I miss, and I, I contributed to it. There's a lot of new mics out there with a lot of newer comics um, i I think the scene has a name for them, COVID comics. <laughs> um, and you know what? There's a lot of amazing comics that came out because of COVID that weren't doing comedy until COVID that are funny, but there's also a lot that they're going <laughs> they're open micers. they need to learn the craft. And I'm all about giving open micers a chance, but that's one thing I won't do. I won't I won't book people who are just being mean. If you're just playing up on stage being mean to be mean, then what what is funny about that? Why do you why should you be going to a show and being on stage and pissing off a crowd? <laughs> you know, if you're being if you're being mean but funny and it's called for like a roast battle, then that's awesome. But if you're just on stage like offending everybody around you? Bitch, bye. Bitch, <laughs> <laughs> bye. <laughs> Can I
2: okay. ask, Um, if so if somebody, okay, because I know a lot of my friends are just starting the road or a lot of my friends are thinking about moving uh, because of the changes in the different cities and, you know, maybe we want to take those steps. And can I ask from a booker's perspective of people that go out on the road, if you don't mind, like, do you have any advice for people that are submitting cold to somebody like you who would be looking, you know, they're on tour and they're looking for rooms in a place like Colorado or, if you, you know, Illinois or Wisconsin.
1: I'm so glad you asked this question because I just had an issue with some people on Facebook because of this and Instagram. Do not go on a, a show caller and say, book me, I'm funny, because, you know what, all that's going to do is piss off a booker. Like, Who the hell are you to come shit on this show with these comics who work their asses off to get on this show? Please hit me up in private message. Go to our website. Find the email. Find the phone number. Text me, send me an email, hit me up through private message. But do not, do not overstep on a comics flyer and say book me. I'm funnier, book me. I'm funnier. Just don't. <laughs> like like it, share it. Um, ask a, hey, who books this? Can I can I can I, get, can I get a contact information? But don't go on there and step on what somebody else has got going on because to me that's just mean and rude and it's pretty much saying that oh I can be funnier than them this show isn't that fucking important that's not okay and don't drop other comics names unless they have given you permission to drop their name
2: and do you look at so if somebody sends a message, and I'll tell you, I said I had, like, a little quote-unquote press kit that I would send. Mm-hmm. So I would send, like, my credits, and I had a little mm-hmm. couple video clips, just, like, really short video clips. Do you look at longer videos, or do you look at, like, one- to two-minute videos?
1: So for me, and I'm, I'm, I am I'm so low on the totem pole when it comes to booking shows. I am nothing like on Entertainment or any of those big guys. But for me, I ask for an EPK video, and I ask, if, okay, how much time do you have? If you, like an EPK, um, which has, you know, you have a attorney press kit, if you don't have one, then give me, what have you done um, in videos? And for me, I like it when people will send me, ask me or send me a five minute video, a 15 minute video, and a 30 minute video. That way I can know who has the chops to headline, who has the chops to feature, and if you're only an opener. Um, <clears throat> and I will watch all of it. And what I do is I sit there and I don't have to find you funny. What I have to hear is the laughter. And then if it's one of those videos where it's like, okay, is it a something crowd? I have family and friends from all different walks of life. It's a great thing of being a military spouse. I listen the this video out to four or five people and tell me, give me feedback. And I have people who will give me feedback. And I've had I've had a comedian send me a video who I thought was freaking awesome, but I didn't really hear any laughter in the crowd. So I sent it to my dad um who is in his 60s and a business owner, um very midwestern, and he hated her. He said she talked too much about her vagina. <laughs> but <laughs> His wife, who's my age, um, she loved her. So I'm like, okay. So then I sent it to my friends in New York. They loved her. Sent it to my friends in Texas. They hated her. So I think to all in into the context. Like, what age group are they going to hit with? Um, what room could I put them in? Because none of my rooms are the same. None of them are. And so <laughs> it's just, you know... That helps me figure out or pinpoint what room would be best because let's be honest, not every comic who are doing these small shows are going to hit in every room because they have not learned how to read a crowd yet and change their strategy to fit in that room. There is is a few comics that I would say that can do that right now. But, (laughs) um, you know, it's a craft. Everybody's learning it. Everybody's tuning that muscle. And so, for me, it's just finding if you send me a video and I just need to find a room you fit in <laughs> yeah
2: it's it's tough from the comics perspective or on the comic side. A lot of times we're going in cold, and yeah. it's like I'm glad that you're honest about it because sometimes we don't you know we never hear back or we never know um. And then it gets, you know, how comics, I mean, your husband probably does this. Like, we just self-analyze
1: all the freaking time. Oh, my gosh, you just did that the other day. I was ready to kill him. Um, (laughs) My whole thing is, is as a booker and a low-level booker at that, I try to respond to everybody within 24 to 48 hours. Um, if, If it's during when the kids are at school, I will respond right then and they're like, hey, Or even not even respond. Even if I get it and it pops up, I'll be like, hey, I received this. I don't have time to look at it right now. Follow back up with me in a day or so, you know. um. (laughs) But I I try to do my best to respond to everybody. But I have so many apps on this stupid phone that sometimes it just doesn't come through. And if I don't respond within 24 to 48 hours, please hit me up again. I'm like, I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm... (laughs) trying to go back to work, um, as well as run this business. So sometimes things fall through the crack, but I don't ever want to be one of those people that leaves somebody on read because I don't want to destroy somebody's (laughs) self-esteem.
2: Yeah. I just really thank you for saying that because it's, you know, you've got to have a strong backbone to be in comedy in general. And, uh, I've had you know, the ups and downs, the ups really keep you going. And I feel like you meet really good people. I think you're, like, what you and Shannon just really mm-hmm. – I, I came – like, I came into Austin, and you guys embraced me. Like, it was – I was – I didn't know what to expect with Austin. And you guys just, like, open arms, like,
1: embraced me. And it, I really appreciate that. That's so sweet. You know, the first time I seen you go up was at a Marty show – and the set wasn't that great because the crowd probably wasn't that great and you were really nervous if you just got to Texas. I think you guys like literally just got to Texas an hour before that show. And um, I think Marty only gave you like five to seven minutes. And I'm just like, uh, I don't I don't know because they were asking me what I thought. And I'm like, I don't know. I, The crowd wasn't really listening and I couldn't understand her. And then we're like, you know what? okay, and then I got to see you at another show, and I'm like, she's funny. She kills it. Your crowd work is amazing. Absolutely amazing, and that's the thing. Every comic is going to have a good show, and they're going to have a bad show, and if a comic tells you they never had a bad show, they're full of fucking shit. (laughs) So, no, and that's what I love about you, and I love about a lot of comics. You guys get punched in the face sometimes with these shows, because people are just not paying attention, or the set just didn't go hit the crowd the way it needed to, and I know if (laughs) I, I've hung around with enough comics to see how much you guys self-hate when your bits do not hit. Yeah, in a show. (laughs) (laughs) If y'all get like, I need to drink until I black out, I need to get stoned until I can't remember anything, I'm ready to go fucking off myself, and I'm just like, oh my god, calm down. (laughs) Like, but I will never understand what y'all put yourself through because I <laughs> I have a joke. It's probably a bad joke. I tell everybody I don't do comedy because I have enough love in my life to not get hated on. <laughs> I don't like being tortured. <laughs> um, and I, I joke all the time that I think to be a stand-up comedian, you must really love that rush. But I don't know how y'all do it. I really don't. I really respect comics that go out there and put it all out on stage because you are literally giving them a piece of your soul with your comedy. And when they ignore you or they don't listen or they don't laugh, like I can just see it in y'all's face. It's just like your world is over (laughs) for that 15 minutes. (laughs) You guys are just like, I'm done. I can't do this. I'm ready to quit life. And then you go back up the next night and have an amazing set. And I just, I don't, I will never understand what goes through comedians' heads, but you guys literally put it out in out there every time you go up and I applaud that, and I love watching it.
2: Oh, thank you, yeah um you know that that was tough because you don't you you gotta be on all the time, and then the people I think that one that you saw me at the first one, me and my friend John, I think we did twenty hours in the car. I, and I was shaking because I drove the whole way and my whole body. And you've got to still be on. And I just remember getting on stage and my, have you, you know that kind of tired where your eyes are moving like back and forth?
1: I also think you said when you were on stage that you just did a bunch of shrooms too. So <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, she definitely has a death wish tonight. <laughs>
2: Yes. <laughs> it's like you the mistakes you make, uh, I've made a lot of fucking I I've probably made every mistake that every booker is like, don't book her. She made that mistake that you're not supposed to make.
1: <laughs> See, that's that's the thing. Every booker is different. Every booker looks for different things. I mean, I remember a comedian once saying that a booker told them not to be a certain way on stage because men wouldn't take to it. I've heard somebody tell a black comic once not to be so black on stage, and I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Who are you to tell these people how to live their truth? Your comedy is your truth. Like, I I don't remember who said this. It might have been Lando. I know that Shannon says it, too. Um, comedy is all about half truth and half lies. You're getting up there, and you're telling pretty much a piece of you, and... It's it's scary for y'all, and I mean, like I said, I applaud that. That's amazing.
2: I I'm just grateful. Thank you for for doing this podcast today. It really it means a lot. I know we haven't spoken on the phone in a while, but um, <laughs> I've definitely been kind of thank you for just messaging me back and forth because
1: you. Your advice is, like, I'm like, she should be, like, a comedy therapist. (laughs) Well, if anybody needs a therapist, Shanitra Fowler is a very good friend of mine, and she owns her own practice there in Texas. She keeps telling me that I need to get every single comedian that she has seen go on stage to come to her practice. (laughs) (laughs) She's Like, they got problems. (laughs) She's actually even gone up to a few comedians at shows and said, you are hurting, baby. <laughs> Let do this. I I will even do the first session for free. You need help, but I'm just like you cannot be going up to comics telling them they need help. But no, so if you need a, if you need a head shrink, I've got one who's already ready to work with comedians.
2: <laughs> well, Amy, and is there anything um, promotion wise that you have uh, that you would like to promote today?
1: Um, right now, all I have coming up is our Corky show. Corky does a, bio, a weekly comedy show. Um, I do the shows there the first and third of every month. Mycia Chapman does them the second and fourth of every month, um, the second Saturday and fourth Saturday. I do the first and third. Um, all of our other shows are kind of on hiatus right now because of COVID, but we'll plan on bringing them back come March. Hopefully the numbers go down. Um, other than that, I have nothing going on. I just I hope that the Austin scene keeps growing and does their thing and people keep listening to their voices and being true to their comedy.
2: yeah, I think it's gonna it's kind of like a mini explosion down here um, <laughs> it's It's a little like you know every day I'm like, okay, just stay I've been very my strategy right now is just to keep my head. On the notebook, with my hand on the notebook, and like to keep just going uh, my
1: my own little way. <laughs> I recommend hitting up as many open mics as you can, um, you know, to comedians, because that's where I would find a lot of comedians. Um, in fact, Ashley Sharma, I booked her for the first time. She ended up doing Cab City within her first year of doing stand-up, which was amazing. Love Ashley. I don't know if you met Ashley Sharma yet. If you haven't, I highly recommend you do. Um, Dave Jay is one of the first people in the scene to book him, and look at—he just did HBO. That's amazing. I'm so excited for these people. <laughs> um, and I've seen all of them at open mics, and now they're just doing these crazy things. And I honestly think that often is going to turn out some amazing comedians. So just keep going out there and keep grinding and keep being true to who you are. Oh,
2: thank you, Amy. <laughs> and- <laughs> Thank you for being true to comics because it's it's you like I've I've said before and I'll say it like you run such <laughs> good like I, I can't even put into words like how seamless your shows are and I'm I I mean it in the way that you do things for comics that other producers don't do <laughs> you honor comedians you make us feel like people um, yeah. you. Like, even when we got, when I came into that Baker Street show and I didn't know that I was hosting it or running it or even paying comics, I didn't even know I was, I was like, wait, I've got to pay, i got to get people to pay these comics. So, like, even, so even doing that, like, it was because of you that I kept my shit together because you were just like, no, we're good. And I was like, okay, we're good. Like, and that, and that was because you just were like, nope, we're together on this.
1: Well, I'm glad you felt that way, because I know that sometimes I can be pushy and take things over. Um, It's just, I, (laughs) when it comes to making sure y'all get paid, I'm like, nobody's walking away without money. No. (laughs) Um, And I know that some comics probably feel like I'm really pushy, but at the end of the day, I want to make sure that comics get paid, because $10 to do a show is ridiculous. So... Yes. So I'm glad you didn't find me pushy because I thought I was being a little pushy. So thank you for that.
2: No, not at all. I'm going to say this really quick because, and and thank you for your time too, because I know you're a busy mom. You just moved. But a lot of times, and I did this to myself on the road way too much last year, and I would screw myself over. um, We will accept a penny, We'll be like, no, I just drove 20 hours. But thank you for this penny. Thank you for this all, you know.
1: and And That's not okay.
2: (laughs) It's not. And you taught me that. You taught me that, like, I need to accept more and I need to accept a lot more for myself. And, And I think a lot of the conversations that we had, like, even just through text message or through messenger, like, It really helped me to come to peace with oh I'm only accepting like the scraps of the scraps Mm -hmm. and thank you for for letting like what you're doing is telling comics we're worthy of getting paid
1: No, as a producer I should not be making you the comic should be making more money than the producer ever does and I've noticed that and this is in, this in Texas. This is across the country, I've noticed, it, that there's producers that make so much money off the comics back and then want to only pay them $10, and that's not okay. My okay. shows are anywhere from $150 to $400 that show. I have only taken $25 out of pay to pay for my advertisement. There's been a couple times that I've taken just a little more to help pay for the babysitter, but I never, never take pay to make myself rich. My pay is for the comics to get their voice out there, for the comics to have the gas money, for the comics to be able to eat. I have a day job. You know, as this company of mine grows, if I want to make money, then I'm going to charge with the venue more because at the end of the day, the comics need to walk away. Headliners should always get paid at least $100, if not more. Features, 50 to 75 And anybody else, you know, at least $25. And that's how it should be. If you're charging, you shouldn't be you shouldn't be taking off other people's plate. And if you're doing a show just based on tips, then the tips need to be counted out and paid to comics right in front of them. I've just heard so many stories when we started about comics only getting paid with chili cheese fries, but then finding out that the venue was paying the producer three hundred dollars. That's not okay. Comics deserve to get paid for their gas and their time. Yeah. And comics need to start standing up and knowing what their self worth is. And, and it, it feels, feels
2: weird too. too.
1: It does. <laughs> I know it must feel weird for comics to ask for money because Shannon is the last one to ask for money. It pisses me off, and he gets mad at me when I ask for money on his behalf. But if y'all are driving five, six, seven, twenty hours to go to a gig, they should at least be covering gas. Gas is not cheap. <laughs> No, it's it's not, and it's like
2: I've had to muscle. I had to learn the hard way to muscle people before, and it felt weird like getting up in a fucking guy's face. And I've had to do it multiple times on the road, um, often by myself. And there's been there's been producers in Texas that I had to
1: do this with. They thought that's really ridiculous. You know, there's some amazing producers in Texas, too, is the bad thing. Like, Simply Courtney puts on an amazing show, and he pays his comics good. And he pays t- um, tips, too. And I think Courtney put money out of his pocket if tips aren't good to make sure that comics at least have enough money to get home. Um, yeah, so, like, Castro, I know, puts on a good show. Josh Castro, Simply Courtney. Um, those are just a few in Austin. But I know for on a good show. I don't know if Holly and Ashley still run a show, but Holly Como and Ashley Overton used to run a really great room. I'm not sure if they're still doing rooms since COVID. But those are comics that I would definitely say they know what comics sell for. Lando, too. Lando pays amazing with the rooms that he gives. Um, Lando Shepard. There's a lot of amazing producers out there, and then <laughs> there's going to be shitty producers wherever you go because they're learning. When I first started, I thought $15 was a going rate right, because that's what Shannon got paid. And I realized that's not fair to comics when we're asking them to drive all the way out. I mean, our first show, we pawned Shannon's gun to make sure that all the comics walked away with at least $25. Fuck. Oh, yeah. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Shannon was happy about pawning his gun, but at the same time, we also wanted to make sure that the comics got paid. So, yeah. And that's how it should be. Whoever's producing shows should be thinking about the comics and not their self.
2: Uh, that's why I love you guys. <laughs> it's like, that's that's the shit. Like when you're like, Texas comedy. Somebody just pawned a gun to pay comedians.
1: <laughs> you know there used to be a, sh- a comedy show at a gun store. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Before we left, I wanted to start a a comedy showcase at a strip club, (laughs) everybody kept on telling me no, but I was like, I think it'd be fun. (laughs) I've
2: I've done them, and they're not bad. I mean, it's tough when you're like, um, I was at a strip club in Philly, um, outside of Philly, and um, the girls were getting like ready on the side because they didn't have a dressing room so you're on stage with the the, the pole and there's <laughs> girls just like putting like oil on their legs and nobody's fucking paying attention to your jokes like nobody gives a
1: fuck <laughs> you know you're funny that's how you know you're funny if you can keep the men's attention who came there to look at boobs and ass, <laughs> if you can keep their attention on your comedy then you know you're you know you're ready for the major leagues <laughs> I don't exactly. know, I just thought it'd be funny, I was like, I think it'd be great, like do a-, <laughs> a club and have all female comics up there, do a, fem- a female one and have, all the, you know, females or whatever, I think it'd be great, but... Let me down, let me know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I even said I thought it'd be fun to- funny just to pay comics to go up in- a McDonald's at like 11 o'clock and just start telling jokes just to see what people would do, and I... I keep getting vetoed on ideas like that. Shannon's like, "Dude, you don't do no, no." I'm like, "It'd be funny." I know a bunch of comics that would do it. I would pay out of my own pocket. And he's like, "You no, we're not doing impromptu comedy shows in the middle of McDonald's." <laughs> <Fine>. <laughs> That's a lot of stuff that comes out of my brain when I've been drinking too much tequila. <laughs> pl- I
2: you know what? Let me know and I'll do I'll do an impromptu tour. I'm down. <laughs> I'm down to tour.
1: I just think it'd be funny. I don't know. Maybe that's my my twisted midwestern humor.
2: (laughs) It's been such a pleasure to speak with you today. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Great. Thank you for asking me to do this. And yeah, just keep doing what you're doing. You're amazing. You're a funny lady. I can't wait to see what next chapter you bring to them. Oh, thank you, and I can't wait to see what happens with
2: y'all, and I'll keep in touch for sure. You too. Oh, thank you, Amy. Of course. Oh, take care. You too. Bye.
0: Bye. Do you like the spiritual travels of a firewolf? do you love the spiritual travels of a firewolf? oh my gosh that's so sweet. thank you so much. you know what you should do? you should go over to like spotify or i don't know like all the podcast platforms and just be like i love this podcast it's amazing i should tell all my friends and my family and my my homies and my horses and my dogs they should all like and subscribe and uh follow and share with your friends and just you know like enjoy all the funness of this podcast so take care and have an amazing day